on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Away by Mikhail, but still chops to Zahuri. Breaks through Zahuri! He shoots! It's in! And I believe it! Zahuri has earned a replay for Nathan Orient! He smashed the ball! No one hot into the back of that! Where was Olivier? Where was Arsene Wenger? Where was the Arsenal team? Who can? And it counts! A chance! And it's a goal for Leighton Orient! It's a double celebration, I should say. It's all changed, and in the last minute of a sensational season, Iron surely are getting promoted. We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around. And you know where we can be found when Saturday comes again. We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the best Whatever challenge, whatever test We're late and Orient from E10 Hello again, this is Steve Tung and it's the Orient Hour with new commentary clips. Hope you recognise the games. And suddenly, with only two games remaining of this um, peculiar season, I suspect we'll look back on it years to come and still be scratching our heads about this particular campaign but I'll see later whether our panel tonight agree with that and, and what they've made of it all. They are from left to right Trevor Singfield. How are you? Yeah I'm all good thanks Steve. Good. Karen Harrison. Hi Steve. Good to hear from you and Rich Priest how are you? Hi Steve. Good that's the team. Um, as usual we'll look back at the most recent game the eventful one against Northampton and look ahead to visiting Crawley on Saturday, not a place that's brought us much joy in the past. Some thoughts on uh, who might be going or staying in the summer. We'll talk about season ticket prices, which have caused a little bit of upset in some quarters since they were put on sale last week. And um, some thoughts, if we've time, about um, perhaps the, the stars of the season, who's our player of the year, what's the best goal of the year, and so on. And of course, Dave Victor will sum it all up in his usual succinct fashion. Now, Dave, I know, is going to talk about uh, lessons to be learnt from the Northampton game. And uh, I've got some lessons to learn as well from you guys, because uh, owing to the unmissable event that is a granddaughter's party, uh, I got to the game with about 55 minutes gone. So it will go down as the only game in 60-odd uh, years that uh, I've ever missed six goals in. Um, in fact, when I, uh, in the, the car radio was keeping us very uh, well up to date. Well done to TalkSport for um, getting those scores in from the lower division games. So as far as I was aware, we were losing 4-1. Um, but when I was banging on the West Stand gates, trying to get the stewards to let me in, um, there seemed to be quite a good buzz from the, the Orient crowd. And as soon as I did get in, uh, they, someone was able to confirm that it was actually 4-2. So um, we'll talk about the, uh, the latter stages from then on. But I'm relying on you for what went wrong in that first half of football. Trevor, what was your take on it? Well, the one thing I would say, Steve, you missed 55 minutes and six goals 
I think you could have missed about 11 games and seen no goals earlier in the season. But, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was a strange one. Um, it didn't really feel like a 3-0... Uh, well, when I went downstairs, of course, so uh, I'm guilty as anybody else's uh, missing goals. Um, listen to what Richie had to say, and he said like, we're pretty even, 15 minutes, but when the fella did put that one in the top corner, which was a fantastic goal, but nobody went to close him down, did they? I mean, he hit that left foot shot. Um, then it was sort of one-way traffic. They obviously had the momentum of um, third place on offer, and uh, they played like it, didn't they? And uh, a bit fortunate for one of the goals looked suspiciously offside, but for 30 minutes they 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 were the better side, uh, leading to half time. So um, in the second half we did rally well, and when Smith sort of didn't smash it instead of he side footed in, it's off the line. If that goes four three, they would have had some. Uh, Squeaky bum times. I think we, you, you never know. You could have got a fourth, couldn't you? But we, there, there was one or two I thought in the first half were definitely watching what they were doing. I, I will call out Satorio, who I think is probably on his way out. He had um, a very poor 45 minutes considering how he has been playing. And if he's got himself a move from popping all those goals in, well, good luck to him. Karen, you had uh, North Stand. You must have had a pretty good view of those Northampton goals. What did they look like? Yeah, it's very unusual to get the goals at the North End. We usually got uh, no binoculars out to see any goals. But, um, yeah, it was like Trevor said, you know, the first goal was a cracking goal. Um, I thought their third goal was a bit offside. I was hearing um, a lot about the referee and the linesman. A lot of people said to me the first goal which came from a free kick wasn't, wasn't a foul. It, it, Dubious, you know, I mean, it's one of those 50-50 things, you know, I go by the fact that the refs and the Lionels are supposed to know their job and we'll take it from there, but there are some times when they are clearly wrong and uh, they do get a bit of a shouting at from the fans, but but yeah, I do think that the third goal was offside, you know, looking at it again, but it's, it is what it is, they had the momentum, they went with the momentum and as Trev said again, you know, they had third place to play for. All we had was to try and stop them getting up there. And uh, from seeing what I saw, I didn't think we were going to stop them. And Rich, I suppose if you're 3-0 down about 40 minutes, the one thing you're desperate for is to pull a goal back before half-time. And, and then having done that, it must have been a real blow to suddenly lose a fourth. I mean, obviously I wasn't as bad as you when missing six goals, but I actually... Um... I went to the toilet at 3-0, so it was, when I came back it was 4-1, so I missed our, our goal back and then I missed their goal. Um, so, you know, I, I'll just echo what everyone said here, you know, Northampton were the best team I've seen this season. I, I probably hadn't seen anyone that I really rated that much until I saw uh, as much as Harrogate at the start of the season. I thought they were very impressive. Obviously, they've dropped down completely now, as we did, but Northampton were, were the best team that I've seen this season and they kind of... Reminded me similar-ish to the way Swindon tore us apart under Wellens, actually, um, where there was sometimes you've just got to give credit to the opposition because um, although I agreed with what Richie Wellens said, I didn't think we were... It didn't feel like we were like a 3-0 down. We, we still were kind of in it. I, I didn't think we were going to get back into it, if I'm honest, but, you know, I, I didn't think we were that bad. You know, under Kenny Jacket at 3-0, I, I, I would have been half tempted just to either sit up in a bar or go home. But even in this, you know, I, I felt, you know, that there's, there's still something to play for here. The second half, we still looked quite good, I thought. And, and I think that showed with the fans were still sort of... You could sense, I think, that they were still with the team towards the end. And, and a lot of people stayed and, and applauded them off. There was no real booing. I mean, I say, like, 
I missed it at half time. So whether there was at half time booing, I'm not sure. But certainly at the end of the game, there wasn't. You know, there wasn't I, I was any... going to ask about that actually. Were they booed off at half time? Or I was not? going to say there wasn't any that I heard. You know, I mean, no. there was probably the odd one or two, but uh, there was nothing particularly vocal over it. But what I was going to say was that it. It'd be nice to sort of give Jordan Brown a bit of a credit for his set, his goal. It was his first Orient goal, and he uh, he took it well. He took it. It was a bit like Paul Smith's goal, really. And it was it was nice to see, and it gave us a bit more oomph, and we won the second half. Yeah, I, I agree with Karen there about Jordan Brown because when he made his debut, I remember saying he'd done nothing apart from square passes, and so there may be a little feather in the cap that he's been getting coached. Rather well. I mean, we we heard rumours they just used to play five sides under the other fella. But um, if he gets going forward like that, and he, he was he was actually going into the opposition's box, and that's the first time I've seen him do that. When he's I know he hasn't had a lot of game time, but it was nice to see that he he was a midfielder willing to break the line and go in, and that's how he got his goal. So um, when I, uh, I say he played cautiously on his debut, like he's he's only under twenty three, and who am I to criticise someone like that? But you know, it was good. It's nice to see one of the fringe players that's coming, you know, where Richie wants to see everybody. He's coming and he's took his chance, whereas some of them are sort of, you know, just carried on and their chances passed them by. Yeah, I mean, as, as I say, having seen the last, probably most of the last half hour, um, at least until the sending off, I, I thought they uh, they gave a pretty good account of themselves. Harry Smith has the chance at... Uh, that Trevor uh, had, and then the ball cleared off the line afterwards. And there was that, uh, Harry Smith had the header. It was a wonderful cross by Drynham, wasn't it, that ha- gave Harry Smith the header. And as you say, you get back from 4-1 to 4-3, and, and the crowd, are uh, best crowd of the season, with the, the Northampton supporters as well, are, are, are really there. So anybody else who came out with any credit? I think you said Vigaru made a couple of good saves even early on, or first half, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, he did. He made three saves in the first half, so and they were good, good saves at the the striker's feet and got his hand out to him. Could easily like if the striker falls over him, that referee would have pointed to the spot. He'd have probably pointed to the spot if a seagull flew past or something <laughs> like that. But yeah, Vigaru uh, won the star man in the supporters club. So did he? Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yes, yes. So could could have been six two or <laughs> seven or even worse but well it was one of the more entertaining games probably of the season one that uh, one that we will remember um we ought to mention the sending off as well rich uh probably from where you were did you have much of a view of that shadowgi's challenge or whatever yeah i mean it, it was it was right in front of where i was i mean i mean i remember the challenge at the time on him a lot of people were calling for a red there and i wasn't sure i've seen it back and yeah you know it's very 50 that could have easily been a red as well um, but as soon as he put his head into him, which it was clear as day, I, I knew what was going to happen. There was only going to be one outcome there, and you just can't do that, unfortunately. So it, it was kind of, you knew that that red was going to come out, I think. Um, I mean, someone around me actually said as well that when he put his head in, the, the other one of the uh, Northampton players actually threw a punch. I, di- I didn't see that, and nobody seemed to be saying anything about that, so maybe that was Bruce's imagination, I'm not sure. But... <laughs> Yeah, so good interview anyway by the manager, um, which we won't run in full today, but it's on the website. Um, he, he talked about a complacent uh, half hour after a fairly bright start, as, as if some were on holiday. Um, he mentioned, I was pleased he mentioned Ogie and Beckles just playing the ball around at the back among themselves. A bit very slow at the back sometimes getting out, aren't we? Yeah, it's all, all nice stuff and that, but if they've got no runners, um, there's, they, they're not going to be able to actually 
put the ball long. I mean, I thought Joanne and he he played pretty well again. He put his uh, normal hundred percent effort in, and uh, so he was looking to give the the, the two centre halves something to, to aim at. But that, that's a, a problem he's got to solve. I mean, Beckel was looks like he, he plays so laid back it's just the way he plays and it sort of does infuriate some people around us you know what I mean because he looks like oh he's gonna is he gonna get it oh yeah and he, and he clears his lines but he does look like he's got all day on the ball sometimes and he's not got a care in the world yeah and Chad Ogie I, I sometimes think it is is a bit reluctant to take responsibility the number of times you just give the ball back to Beckles or someone is just that lack of a certain lack of confidence from a younger player a little bit probably but you I mean I when the ball goes back towards Ogie and, and uh, Beckles, I feel fairly confident majority of the time. And you know, you you get Shad take it out towards the line and then try and pass it down the line, and then you get Beckles play it through the middle if it's him that's clearing it. But I notice um, a lot more as well is where Harry Smith hasn't been playing and having that target man. They've been using Connor Wood, mm. and uh, he runs in off the line because he's usually hanging on the line and runs in. So if the ball's about to go out, like every now and then I think, oh, it's about to go out, and I think, oh no, Wood's there, <laughs> comes running in and then gets it. So. Well, it must have been quite a change, mustn't it? Because you know, when you think of of how Richie Wellens has changed the style, I mean, we suddenly, if you remember, the number of times that Vigaru would simply punt the ball up the middle towards Harry Smith, and and the change became evident almost from his first game, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really refreshing to see as well. I mean, I think you know, as I said at the beginning, you know, when, when we were you know, four one down at half time and even though we lost four two, you're you're still you feel like you're still being entertained slightly. I mean you know, don't get me wrong, I'd I'd much rather have the result than to think that was a good performance. But, you know, if if you can't get the result then at least, you know, because that was for me, that's what was missing, you know, December, January, it was the effort. It didn't seem like there was enough effort there for me. And, and at the end of the day, all you can ask for is that the players, you know, they're coming off that pitch having given it everything. And, and under Richie Wellings, for me, that feels like one of the biggest changes, you know. I feel like the players are coming off and, you know, I've been very critical of some of those players over that sort of winter period because I just didn't think they, they didn't seem like they were trying and it was slightly unprofessional for me, I thought, but... You know, you don't know, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. That's why I always quite like the opinions of, say, you know, Glenn and Christian and Terry, you know, the ex-pros, because they, they can, you know, they, they can, they've been there, they've seen these, uh, what happens and, and what goes on in the background and how different it can make. Whereas, you know, for, for me, I, you know, there is possibly something that was, we all know that it was something that wasn't right there because of what was going on. But, you know, the, the players now, they've, they've bought into something. You've seen the interviews with Darren Prattley and the others and, and and the effort seems to be you know if you if the effort's in and the performance is is, is there which I, I felt the performance you know it, it wasn't bad you know it didn't feel like a you know a four two defeat for me afterwards anyway which you know is unusual because I say normally I, I would have just gone home at the end of the whistle or, or did what my dad did and got up with five minutes to go and walked out but you know I, I didn't and because I you know I wanted to applaud the players off and and, and a lot of people around me did the same. No, well, I did as well. They were certainly worth a, worth a bit of applause for the half an hour that uh, that I got as well. Um, the other couple of points briefly that the manager made, he, I mean, he did say that he thought after the effort the players had put in in his first eight or nine games and to get out of trouble uh, with those performances that there might be a bit of a dip, um, which is obviously what happened in, in the first half at least. Um, and he was already emphasising the importance of a Tranmere game and, and finishing on a high, which I'm sure we'll hear much more of um, from everyone 
one in the, in the next uh, 10 days or so. And just a couple of bits of injury news. Uh, he talked about Adam Thompson sudden, uh, sadly being out for the rest of the season, but suggested that Tom James might get a game against um, Tranmere or or even be on the bench, which would be nice. If you were Tom James, you could imagine, I would think you'd be just desperate because we know how much hard work goes into getting fit again after an injury like that, don't we? Yeah, it'd be good to see him come back. Yeah, he's one we've, um, we've missed very badly. So a bit of credit then to uh, Jordan uh, Brown, as you say, um, to Vigaru and um, to Aaron Dreiner. What about, though, this, uh, this disciplinary record? Uh, around 100 yellow cards now. Only, only Barrow are worse than that. And I think it might even be the second, if not the third time, that we've been, we've been among the very worst. Um, and it, it's not just the youngsters. It, it's some of the more experienced players as well. Um, I mean, does it, does it worry you, Trevor? Does it worry supporters generally, do you think? Um, it it doesn't really worry me. Uh, probably Richie Wellens. Um, if they're petulant, then it, it's a frustration for the manager. Um, if you're going a hundred percent full out committed, and you may catch somebody late, then and you get a yellow, then you know you're committed to the call. So it's it's a hard one to to balance out there, isn't it? Whether uh, like I said, Kipriano's who's won at um, Swindon was silly. That's just, I don't know, you know, just still, even though he's played nearly 100 games, he shouldn't be doing that. Um, he don't win any prizes for uh, having the least yellow cards, do you? So I don't really think it's a problem. I mean, it's, if somebody does end up missing important games and on a run-in or something through a, a petulant yellow, then that, that's just then that's an internal thing that they have to sort out. But it doesn't bother me the slightest, to be honest. I think the time that it bothers people is, you know, like with Hector's second yellow, and you get a second yellow for a red, and it's a silly second yellow. That's when it bothers me. But otherwise, I'd just say it shows their commitment to the calls. And uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be the Orient way to be nasty about it, but it's, it seems to be becoming the Orient way. And if that's what it takes to get yourselves up the table, then, like you say, nobody looks at the yellow cards at the end of the day, do they? Is that, um, is that shout out for the season now and into next season? Yeah, or? first game of next season, it, I think. So it is three, oh, OK, right. Yeah, I mean, that, that's when it bites, isn't it? And when... Uh, um, you know, as it happened, we probably didn't miss Hector too much. Although I gather Ethan Coleman didn't do much, did he? He was pulled off at half time. I, mm -hmm. I assume he was struggling a bit in that first half. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, but the thing with Shag, I mean, he, he'd be a bit disappointed because somebody's going to have his shirt first game of the season next year, mm -hmm. and we keep a clean sheet and play well. He, he could have a, be sitting there for three or four or five games thinking, oh. Find I've done that, but then that's a, that's a hard learning curve for him. Then he may not do it again. But that's how he got into the team, wasn't it? When somebody got dropped, so you know he's got a, what goes around comes around. Yeah, he probably needs to have a thing. I think he was one in. The, if you remember the fracas at uh, at Swindon, he was one of those who was uh, very much involved in that. In fact, I think uh, Richie Wellams almost blamed him for um, for Richie getting his yellow card because he said he went down to just to pull Shad away from it all and and got a yellow card basically for being outside his technical area, which which was a bit much. So yes, uh, if we could um, cut out the petulant ones, uh, chaps, it was good to hear um, the manager actually referring to Theo as, as petulant once or twice. He knows for all his, his talents that, uh, that he's one of those who does pick up the silly yellow cards. I, I think the more experienced players, maybe like Prattley, um, 
tend to be the, the so-called professional fouls of breaking up the game and, and stopping a, a break, which, which the manager said he, he doesn't mind so much. But um, anyway, 100 yellow cards um, does seem, does seem a, a, a big number to finish the season on with. So let's, um, let's look at, while we're talking about statistics at that league table, um, Exeter sealed promotion last night. Um, and bizarrely, it seems to me, that they could actually win the title. I remember saying to people weeks and weeks ago, they might as well give Forest Green this trophy now because they were so far ahead. But they've been on a, a really difficult run. And although their goal difference is a bit better, um, they're now level on points with, with Exeter at the top. Um, the only thing you would say is that Forest Green have got slightly the, the easier games. They've got Harrogate at home and then Mansfield away, which won't be so easy. But Exeter have got two terrific games to finish. Um, in second place, they're playing Northampton, who are third at Northampton. Uh, and then they're at home to Port Vale, who are fourth. So it's, um, it's very interesting up the top. And uh, the playoffs are very tight too. If you go down from Northampton on 76 points, Port Vale 75, Mansfield 75, Bristol Rovers 74, Sutton 73 in the, in the playoff places. Amazing season that Sutton have had. And then one or two like Swindon and perhaps the real outsiders, uh, Salford and Tranmere, um, who would still mathematically can get into the, um, can get into the, the playoffs. Um, Trevor, what have you made of that, um, that position at the top? Yeah, I mean, Forest Green have got history of blowing it, so um, they're not well loved at the Orient. So, um, yeah, good luck to Exeter if they can overturn them. Um, sad to see Exeter go. It's always a decent trip, and they're, they're, they're a decent football team as well. And uh, I think they, they hold their own, may just stay in League One next year. They'll probably invest. Uh, as for the others, I mean, well, Port Vale lost two on the spin to give Northampton the spot when they looked like they were holding. Um, Bristol Rovers' magnificent run from uh, sort of Christmas onwards after their little tactical postponement at E10. Um, Sutton, good momentum from uh, the National League coming in. I mean, they, they, they've been knocking on the door for a few years whether they wanted to come into Football League, but they've they proved that they're worthy members of the Football League now. So um, you wouldn't want to be a betting man to pick a, the winners out of the playoffs, or B, who's going to go up in third spot at the moment. I mean, this is the type of scenario they would like on the Premier League to have a Super Saturday or something, wouldn't they? You know, so those who like watching the scores in the next two games are going to thoroughly enjoy it. But on a, on a sadder point, we could have said, could have been us, couldn't it, really? But there you go. Yes, we'll come to that in a moment. Uh, Karen, any thoughts about who you'd like to see disappearing or who you'd like to see staying and coming to visit us or going to visit next season? Well, I don't really want um, Tranmere to have the last game of the season where they get on the playoffs against us, so um, they can stay where they are. Um, Salford, well, Salford's a Salford day out, and it? it'd be all right for Richie, I suppose, a Salford day out. But um, yeah, to be honest, there's out of all those teams in the top ten, I'm sad to see Exeter go because I like Exeter as well for a good away day. And also it's a fan-owned club and their owners there, you know, the fans that I know that are in the board, etc. Really nice guys and gals. So I wish them all the very best in League One. Um, and, yeah, the rest of them, I've got no real opinion on any of them, really. 
Rich, as you as you say, it's funny how the how the the, the fortunes over the season come and go, isn't it? You mentioned Harrogate. Uh, Trevor just mentioned Bristol Rovers. I remember. I think Trevor was at Bristol Rovers as well when um, Orient supporters were singing that Joey Barton was going to get sacked in the morning, and there seemed every chance that he would when they were three down at half time, and they were way below us in the league at that time. And just look at them now; extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I did think about it as well is, I mean, I know it was early on in the season when we played Exeter at home and, and I think it was 3-1 three and 3-0 nil. Three nil and we were all over them. But I remember after that game, the Exeter fans saying that, you know, Matt Taylor should go and he's, he's gonna, not going to do anything there. And, you know, and I look, they've only lost seven games for the entire season and that, you know, that early one to us. So, you know, they must have had a rough couple of first few games, I suppose, but... You know, they've, they've, really, they've been flying since then. I mean, I, I hope Exeter, you know, I'm glad they've gone up. I hope they can win the league. Um, I'd like to see Sutton, I, I think, actually do well. I mean, they, you know, considering they got to the final of the cup as well, or the, the Football League trophy, you know, I mean, it's been a brilliant season for them. And, you know, yeah, I'd quite, I mean, I don't particularly want Bristol Rovers or Mansfield to go up, if I'm honest. Just <laughs> more out of a dislike more than anything else, I think, a little more, but... Um, but yeah, Sutton, Paul Val, I wouldn't mind. I mean, and, and, and I always, if, you know, Northampton, I say for me, the best team I've seen this season. So, you know, it's, I think it's a thing to say that the team that the best I've seen have gone up as well. So Can't imagine Sutton's ground in League One, though, with Sunderland or someone going down there. I was just you? going to say, Sunderland and Derby, yes, having to put their thousands of supporters into that gazebo that we, we sat under <laughs> when we went there. It would be nice if they finished off their ground. Yes, whoever goes there next season, really. Um, we, Karen and I uh, went to the supporters meeting that uh, Richie Wellens addressed last week and you won't have seen much about it on the website or anywhere else because they said they wanted a lot of it to be sort of off the record so that um, he could be as, as frank and as blunt as he wanted, which he was. Um, but one of the things which I think we, we can uh, repeat, which he just summarising what he said when he was talked about which teams he'd like to go up and come down and, and the fairly straightforward point he was making was that, you know, he'd like the teams with the big budgets in our league to, to go up and, and the, perhaps some of the smaller teams to come down on the basis that they might have to sell some of their players as well. Um, and just looking at the, at the bottom of Division 1, I think we're certainly going to be seeing Wimbledon next season as well as Doncaster and Crewe. So there'll be one, one derby and a couple of longer trips there. Wimbledon are, are pretty much dead. And there's then there's Gillingham... Fleetwood and Morecambe, um, who are very, very close together, just about a point between them, um, but they've all got very difficult games. So I, I don't quite know why, but League One is actually finishing um, next weekend. They've, they've only got one game left, all of them. So you would think that, as, uh, as you were saying, that would be one of those days when there's goals flying in and added time and everything's changing. But it's certainly one person out of, one team out of uh, Wimbledon, Fleetwood and Morecambe will be on their way down. So depending whether you like a nice local trip or a, or a longer one to uh, the wilds of Lancashire, um, that will be that will be your choice. What um, a new stadium at Wimbledon because it's a new ground, yes, isn't no, it? Yes, no, I would so. like to. I haven't been there since the very the very old Plough Lane, which was quite an experience in the old uh, first division days with five or six thousand in there. Mm. Um, it would be um, it would be interesting to go there, and I, th I think that is pretty much nailed on. Um, and uh, at the bottom of our league, finally, um, Oldham. Any, do we have any sympathy for Oldham, having been in exactly the same position? I see there. People may have noticed their their game against Oldham was an exact replay of our Colchester game, wasn't it? Cool. The, um, stopped it all when the fans came on the pitch, um, sent everybody home, and then carried on playing. Well, yeah, that's for the integrity of the competition. I mean, it, look, 
fan protest. We've been there, um, and they they probably started their protest a lot later than when we were well ahead of a lot of teams when we realised it was going wrong. Um, but maybe the next team that comes under sort of the AFL's mistakes and that don't get off the pitch until midnight and see what they do um, because it's obvious they want the competition to finish. I mean, at one point they looked like they were going to survive and then Evans takes over Stevenage and works his, his magic. Whether you like him or, or loathe him, the guy can and turn things around. So he sort of one-handedly relegated Oldham the, the way it's gone. But they did have a terrible run in. Um, but the two teams that most people were addicted to go down did because of the, the ownerships of, of, of the clubs. And then there's obviously questions of the AFL have to be taken into uh, consideration why they're there and why they run so badly. I mean, so, yeah, yeah I mean, a trip to Manchester gone. It wasn't the greatest one, but, you know. But you'll be going to Stockport instead. Fantastic. Almost certainly. By all accounts, it's got some of the most new... There's about... I checked with the, the real owl guy, and there was eight, eight pubs, like camera pubs, and that right near the ground. It's, it's Stockport looks like it's changed dramatically since they've uh, they've been out of the league. And, yeah, well, yeah, they're looking forward to that one. They'll be marks, the most, most popular club in the, in the league, too. Sorry, I was going to say, my Mark's already done a recce, and he, I think he said it was a little pub crawl from the station to the stadium, So, and it's all real owl bars, so yeah. happy days. Well done, Mark. <laughs> no, I think we could agree that Stockport deserve it. I mean, they don't forget, they went down even one level lower than the National League, and fantastic crowds. Uh, was it last weekend or the one before? Uh, 8,000 at Stockport and 9,000 at Wrexham. I mean, whatever you think about uh, Wrexham and the the backing that they've had and they might well be a team who Richie Wellens um, by his criteria is not keen to see up because they've certainly got some money to spend. Um, I see last night they see last night they went to Weymouth were 1-0 down at half time and won 6-1 um, which has put them in second place and, and they must be favourites really because they'll they'll be in the top two playoff places which as we know means that uh, that you don't even play so many playoff games so possibly with Halifax and and apart from Solihull Moors who are in there it's really all the old um, all the old league clubs Knox County and Chesterfield and people who could be in there and Dagenham I think will probably just miss out probably got a, a little bit much to do so uh, an interesting variety of uh, new teams and old friends as ever to come back next season very interesting finish uh, at the top of League Two as well. Very frustrating, as Trevor said, um, that, that we're just not involved at all. Um, what I suppose we can agree on is that it was, a, it was a poor January transfer window. So let's talk about a few individual players, um, not least because um, it, it's time to, to think about players of the season and, and goals of the season and so on. Um, I noticed there was on the list was a uh, the it's the E.T. Clay goal of the season, uh, not to be confused with the Craig Clay goal of the season, for which there probably wouldn't be many entries. But he, he got one, didn't he? He got a cracking goal somewhere. Rochdale. Oh, Rochdale. Rochdale right. away, Half apparently, because I wasn't there. The one oh. I missed. <laughs> what a goal it was to miss. That's all, I missed it too. I was, uh, <laughs> you know, in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> So who would we be thinking about as our, our player of the year? Who has really done themselves justice? Um, I think uh, Vigory Mavitain. He's played all, all the league games and uh, he, he's in, in the, the, the spell where we were 
not very good. Um, he, he kept the score down a lot of the time, didn't he? And uh, I think he's acted as a true professional the whole way through the season, to be perfectly honest. I will say, actually, I saw a stat the other day, which I had no idea about, that we, there's only about eight, nine teams in the, the top four leagues that haven't lost by more than two goals this season, which I was, I was astounded by, to be honest. But, you know, and I think you're right, that speaks of volumes for, for Vigory more when you think, you, I mean, it certainly I don't think would be a defender. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that Vigory for me as well, I think. Karen, who are you? Um, yeah. Well, you know, Vigaru's always the first name on the team sheet, isn't he? You would, you would th- like to think. But um, I think sort of other players that have played well, um, Smith, when he's been fit, Little Smith has played well when he's taken his chance. Um, Theo has been consistent throughout the season, uh, even though he's a low knee, you know, fingers crossed that he might be a, a permanent player. Um, Drynan, you know, I mean, Drynan well, puts in everything all the time. You know, it is, he's played well. He might sort of get something like the captain's vote. Might get the manager's vote. Manager well, he, might, he might get the captain's vote or yeah, something yeah. like that or the manager's vote. But, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, uh, it's probably between those four, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, Rich is absolutely right. I mean, still only conceded 46 goals in, in 44 games. So before Northampton, it, it, was, it was less than a goal a game. And I thought... I could think of Port Vale away when, of course, we conceded two goals very late, but barely any other game we were actually letting three, which and we're certainly not getting, not been getting battered. I mean, even in that terrible run, it was it was single goals, wasn't it? And it was draws, and as we know, all those drawn games that that we should have won. Um, so much, uh, so much frustration. But no, I think um, uh, the defences look very sound, and you know there might well be a case. We don't see all the goalkeepers all that much of the time, of course, but there might well be a case, as, as people at the club have said, that, that Lawrence Bigru is the is the best goalkeeper in the division. Um, and goals, goal of the season. What are we looking at for our best goals of the season? Oh, I mean. I mean, Smith was having a little competition on his own, but I, Smith, yeah. I, I, I quite like uh, joining the centre at Bristol Rovers myself. Just team goal. That was the one where James James went down the right and put it put it mm. on his head. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, that's probably my favourite goal of the season. It was a great goal, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think it will probably be one of the Smith ones, like you say, <laughs> Paul Smith or Paul Smith. <laughs> or the Harry Harry Smith's left-footed volley. Oh yeah, that, that was, was a good one. Yeah, yeah. And. There was one from Satiriu. Tend to about the ones at the early part. Satiriu, um, Bradford. Bradford, yes, hit from the angle or the volley. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hit very hard. Yeah, well, there's been a few. There's been a few. And it uh, nice to have a lot to choose from. Well, yes. And um, what are the what are the supporters club doing with Starman? And so, you, didn't you have a period when there was basically no Starman for any of the games because they were well, so terrible? Well, we've been catching up with our presentations recently, so um, we've got the last few to do on the Tranmere game. Um, because we still do the player of the month. We'll always do a star man vote after the game because even if it's been a rubbish game, there might be somebody that stood out, even mm. if it's, you know, the diamond amongst the rough. But um, we always do a star man vote and then at the end of the season, that will make you a star man. So we work it out on a points basis, not on a votes given basis. So whoever wins the star man that week gets 10 points and whoever's the runner-up gets five points. And then it tallies itself out and works itself out over the season. Oh, so have you been adding them up? Have you got a bit of inside information? I do have the inside information, but I shan't be giving it out today. (laughs) Well, uh, and what about if we were to choose a young young player? Who would we be thinking about? Oh, I don't know. I think young players probably got to be Satirio. It should be Shad for me, I think. Well, Mm. oh yeah, Shad, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, Satirio, it was only really in the last sort of 
three months he's really kind of come into it a bit really I mean yeah, no, Shad's been consistent yeah he's he, been yeah. consistent all season for me I think and um, yeah I, I think I mean to be honest with you up until we, I would have put, even put Shad in with a shout for the player of the season actually as well I think he's, I know defensively we haven't looked great but I think he's been and, and Alex Mitchell actually I, they've been our two best central defenders I think this season um, and obviously we didn't mention but I think if it wasn't for his injury Tom James would have probably run away with the um, the season as well actually until we uh, you forget how young Shad is because he plays with an old head on his shoulders doesn't he yes and uh, not always I think we've decided here that amongst ourselves that his best position was probably in central defence and he's not always played it as he has that long spell when when, uh, Kenny Jackett wouldn't play Connor Wood and he he was often playing left back as well so that's uh, no that's something to to bear in mind. Well, we're talking about Ruel. Um, we're talking, mentioned Theo Archibald. What about who comes and, and who goes? Uh, the club have confirmed officially that Frank Nouble, George Ray, Dan Moss, uh, all on loan, won't be staying. And I think, didn't he say this week that they're going back um, almost straight away, which was going to cost the cost the club? What I thought I, I thought I'd heard that they'd gone back and it was going to cost the club, and I'm assuming that that's because that we probably agreed to pay them to the end of the, the season, yes. and so we've still got to pay them for another, well, to the 30th of June, I think it usually works, doesn't it? So, Right, and no, no real surprises there, Trevor, on those three? Well, no, 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 no. I mean, we, we do... We, we do the first goal scorer and uh, or any time goal scorer and you go on one of the, the betting sites and Nuble was 7-2 to two, those who know their betting uh, and Satori was 5-1 to one. I mean you just wonder A who does the odds and B who actually bothers to watch or even starts for the O's let's just they... hope they're not listening because it's worth it for <laughs> but you know I mean no yeah. they, they, I mean George Ray was okay-ish but um they, they were panic signers, we all know that now. Yes. And they're, 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 I think basically we should just draw the line under them, really. I mean, the, the, the lad who come up from Yeovil, the Millwall fella, probably feels a bit disheartened because he was playing regular football. And he, he did come with people saying, oh, yeah, he's not a bad lad, he's, he's done well for us down here. So he wouldn't be best pleased, I don't think, because he's probably missed out on 20 odd games of football as a young lad. Is important his development, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, shame how that right back position. Otis Khan started at right back presumably on on uh, Saturday, which means he can't have done terribly well either. Well, he, I had a crossword with a fella next to me. I mean, it's uh, he said, "Oh, what's he taking well, He was he's not a right back. We all know that, but he is a good player. But you just, I know we're short and it's square pegs in round holes. I mean, when you look at one of the goals, him and Wood is just like it's just Ed in Ann's time, isn't it? You know, it's terrible defending, but you play him in the correct position. He's a reasonable acquisition. I'm not, I'm not, not his biggest fan, but he's definitely he's come on and he he will do well under Wellens because of his work rate. And this, this, I think Wellens is all about work rate, isn't he? If you're not working. He would replace you, and he, he sort of in that interview he sort of said that he was probably aiming at the board again. Of like, if I haven't got, the, I can't put this. There's no competition. Otherwise, if you're going in your sandals and your flip flops, you're off, basically. And he's another hint that I want three, four, maybe five players. And I think he did an interview when he said to Dave, then he said, oh, I'm not telling you what I'm going to have, who I want, Dave. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think him and Dave sort of, their interviews are a bit different to what Dave's actually used to, to be perfectly yeah. honest. No, that was interesting. Um, well, I suppose we should say then, I mean, we talked about the January window, but Otis Khan 
Jordan Brown, Ethan Coleman. Um, I suppose with those two, the question again is just the number of defensive midfield players we've got and how many we're going to need. And, and that brings us on probably to talking about Darren Prattley as well and how many we're going to need. I, um, and there is a strong suggestion that Darren Prattley has now played enough games this season to get a new contract. He'll be, well, he was 37 last week, apparently, so he'll be heading uh, to Joby McEnough territory, really. Um, do we think he's earned a new contract? Yes. Yes. Well, I think uh, early and latter parts, definitely, yes. Uh, middle part, no. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would have said no up until Richie Wellens came in. I mean, I, I didn't really see much at all. Maybe very early on. Um, but I was quite underwhelmed by him, really, quite sort of almost disappointed in a sense, because I remember seeing Prattley, I know it was 10 years ago, and he was immense. So when we signed him and Charlton fans were still raving about him, I thought, you know, this could be our best midfielder since, you know, maybe Vincelo or someone. But, you know, age catches up with everyone. And I think, I just, you know, maybe it was me, maybe my expectations were just a little bit too high. But um, but then I think since Wellens has come in, he's actually shown, and, and, and to be fair to Prattley, in his interview he gave, he said himself, you know, players want to be coached. And, and again, that's possibly where, you know, you never just know what's going on in the background. So now he's, he's being coached again. Now he's, he's being told what to do properly. And, and, you know, there is a proper regime around him. He's enjoying his football. And, and certainly now I've completely changed my opinion and, and I'd quite be happy to see him get another year, to be honest. Yes, um, and we do understand from, from people at the club are still one of the very fittest players in the club, which was obviously something that, that, that Joby could, uh, could call on as well, which kept him going. And, and maybe an old, an old head would be valuable among those, but what are we going to do with all those defensive midfield players? Uh, Jordan Brown, Ethan Coleman, Hector... Matt Young, and I think we understand Papadopoulos probably won't be kept on, don't we? Yeah, there was talk about that. Well, there's competition. That's the main thing. Um, if they are for the future, I mean, we can't say Kiprianu's not experienced now, can we? Um, played probably 80, 90 games. It's, they're not probably on big money, um, so there's probably enough room in the budget for them. So if they're going to be developed properly under Wellens and uh, the, the coaching staff, then they probably can all stay because it's a long season. As long as they get game time in the minor competitions and they're, they're ready at any time to come into the first team, then, yeah. But obviously the, the, the addresses positions are the attacking midfielders, aren't they, to be perfectly yeah. honest. So, um, yeah, they can all stay because I don't think it was costing the club a lot of money, to be honest. I think Prattley, when he played an attacking midfield role in um, Bradford game, I think Bradford away, wasn't it, when he scored? You know, I mean, he, he played really well. So hopefully, you know, and I know it means he has to do a bit more running, etc. But, you know, hopefully he'll, uh, if they're coached properly and they're able to, you know, give them a bit more of an attacking mind as well, it won't be so bad. It'll be, we've got these excess midfielders, not defensive midfielders or attacking midfielders. OK, they prefer one or the other. But hopefully their all-round game should improve. Yeah, I think as with, when you have a new manager come in, you know, sometimes and give them a pre-season, it, sometimes there's going to be a player that you, you probably didn't even really notice the season before under a previous regime that, that's just going to turn into like a, a lower league Messi or something. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that's going to be like Matt Young or Jordan Brown, but, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Matt Young to me seems like he's got potential. Brown, for the first time, I think we saw it at the weekend. Um, Coleman... 
Coleman is the one that probably... I mean, I think it's safe to say that Coleman and Brown will be here next year as we just signed them, but... You know, sometimes I look at Ethan Coleman and think, you know, when he came on for Hector when we won the other week after the sending off, I, I thought he was superb. And then he gets the start and then it doesn't seem to... It seemed, it's kind of like how Shad used to be, actually. Whenever he seemed to start, I was never sure. But if he came on to, to plug a gap or something, I always thought he looked good. And it seems to be the way with Ethan Coleman at the moment. But, you know, he's come from... I mean, Kings Lynn were they even semi-professional and he's kind of almost thrown in at the deep end because of the situation we were in. You know, give him a pre-season under a proper manager with... <laughs> proper players around him and you know I've no doubt Ethan Coleman will come on leaps and bounds next year to be honest the thing is sorry uh, the thing is when you see these players come back after pre-season they fill out a bit don't they you know I mean I remember George Porter who's that bloke over there like he was a skinny kid when sort of last game of the season then all of a sudden we're actually in Finland and it just completely filled out and maybe Coleman goes down that road becomes a man overnight and Comes a, a better footballer for it. I was going to say, what I think with uh, Ethan Coleman is because a lot of people know that the club paid 80,000, I think it was, wasn't it, to Kings Lynn for him. I think that price tag might weigh a bit heavy because normally we don't know what people are paid for, you know, what the amount that's paid for people. And everyone's like, paid 80,000 to Kings Lynn? Mm. The club must have seen something in him to pay that sort of money. So hopefully, like you say, get a good pre season under his belt. Maybe bulk up a bit, and then hopefully he'll uh, he'll come and show us what it's all about next season. Yeah, and Theo, as you said, we we can only hope that good negotiations are going on with Theo, and of course with with Tom James. Um, Theo, we get the impression he likes the club, that he likes London, and and he seems happy around the club, doesn't he? He does. So, yeah, so um, uh, optimistic on that one. But Trevor, you talked about Ruel, and uh, you think he might not be here next season. Oh, if I had money, I bet he won't be here, to be perfectly honest. I didn't think he contributed nothing Saturday. Um, he's probably got a move in the bag, and, and good luck to him. If, if he doesn't want to be at a football club, you've got to let these players go. You know what I mean, he, he's got potential, hasn't he? He's done it a couple of times where he's come on and got five or six goals in a short period of time. Then he don't, you don't see him score again. But like you say, he, he, he has filled out a little bit as well, hasn't he? And he, he looks uh, sharp. If he goes to League One, which I would have thought, he must be aiming for and see how he gets on. He could end up warming the bench, couldn't he? Rich, Ruel? I mean, I've said this before, he still hasn't had a full season yet and I think he'll get that next year under Wellens. So I can't help but think if he... I mean, I'm sure we'll offer him. I know I agree with Trevor, I'm sure he's going to turn it down because I think, you know, the same thing that happened two years ago will happen again. He's probably got an agent that's convinced him that he's better off with more money somewhere else. Um, personally, I don't think he's League One ready. I'm... You know, I'm, you know, he's only, he's not, for me, he's not even shown he's League Two ready yet. He's only had a good three months. And, and don't get me wrong, they've been a, a brilliant three months as well. But he needs a full season at this level to show what he can do. And then, you know, if we have some kind of agreement like we did with Macaulay Bond, someone, you know, meets this, we'll, we'll have an agreement, you can leave at the end of next season. Um, but I, I can't help but think, unless he goes to maybe to another League Two team and... and because I don't think he's ready, certainly, to start in League One at all. But I think I think he'd start under Richie Wellens next season. I think he could even be, you know, um, well, obviously you mentioned the Richie Wellens and Aaron Dryan. I'm not sure if he can um, replace him in that position, but you know he'll certainly be starting. I think, and he'll certainly be the backup for the main striker um, next season. So I, I think he would. The, the common sense for him would be to stay and do that and have a couple of years as a contract. But yeah, like Trev said, I fully expect him to go as well. To be honest. Well, we'd certainly need a new striker in then because, um, you know, Dan Nkrumah, who's not really a central striker. I mean, is it fair to say that Ruel really has 
has always looked better as a central striker and has very rarely played there, actually, for us. Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, if he sort of played big man, little man, he, he, he's hard to pick up and he, he flirts around. Yeah, he's been played left side and he was like a deep left-sided player on Saturday. I, I didn't understand that at all. But, um, yeah, he, um, I agree with Richie. Probably if he, if he knew he was going to play 40 games next year, he, he may stay, mightn't he? And he, could, he would be in minimum double-figure scorer, wouldn't he? And what we can be sure of is that the manager will be pushing the ball pretty hard. You would have thought for the players he wants in, a, in, in this promotion push for this summer. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he signalled two, three times in interviews to the board that yeah, you're going to have to get your you're going to have to get your money out here, aren't it? You know, it's <laughs> well good for us if that if that comes off. So let's um, have a change of voice. Let's hear what Dulcet Dave Victor thinks of it all from last Saturday's game to this weekend's. Dave. Richie Wellens says you learn more from a defeat. So what did we learn on Saturday? Well, against a very good Northampton team with the best defensive record in the division, we learned that we need to maintain the high energy that has been such an important feature since Wellens arrived in E10. And we need to be effective from defending corners. The Cobbler's second was particularly poor from a late Norman perspective. And we need to cut out the hot-headed reactions that invite a referee to make a decision. Danny Rose knew exactly what he was doing. Shadrach didn't. That's why he saw red and in Jordan Brown we have a young player who can compete with the best in this league the former derby man definitely heading in the right direction post-match Richie Wellens was again honest in his assessment of his team performance late Orient's first half display highlighted the gap between Orient's current squad and Northampton team who are where we aspire to be this time next year Wellens was right when he says he needs more depth in his squad Recruitment this summer will be so important. Wellens referred to a flip-flop mentality and it's important that it's addressed for the final two matches because being on the beach would destroy the positive momentum that Wellens has achieved. Next, we travel to Crawley, who've suspended manager John Yems due to serious allegations that he's used discriminatory language towards club players during the course of this season. Whilst those claims are being investigated, it's youth team manager Lewis Young, who's been in charge for two tough matches, suffering a away day defeats, first at Mansfield and on Tuesday night at Sutton United. As a result, with two matches remaining, five points and one place separate the O's and the Red Devils in the fight to see who's going to finish 12th. Under Wellens, the O's have followed a defeat with a victory. It's a pattern that the travelling faithful will want to see repeated for the final journey of the campaign. Congratulations to Forest Green and Exeter City on their promotions. Rovers' form at the start of this season was simply incredible. Whilst having gone so close in recent years, the Grecians deserve their success. And our thoughts are with old and athletic supporters. Saturday scenes at Boundary Park reminiscent of the protests at Brisbane Road five years ago. We owe so much to Nigel Travis, Kent Teague and Match Porter, who came in to save our club from the previous disastrous ownership. Let's hope that the Latics have people of the same calibre, understanding, purpose, drive, passion and vision required to restore one of the founding members of the Premier League back to where they belong. It's a dawn 
daunting task because there are large, ambitious clubs in the National League and a lot of money is being spent trying to gain one of those two precious promotion places. Finally, congratulations to Joby McEnough on gaining the Tom Finney Award. I don't think I've ever known anybody to love the game as much as Joby. He's achieved so much in a wonderful career. Joby has played at the highest level, but he still had the energy and desire required to win the National League. A gifted, knowledgeable, thoughtful, humble man, Joby is special. Thank you, Dave. Dave uh, Victor's usual wide-ranging summary of uh, everything going on. That, for anybody who didn't uh, catch up with it, was Joby McEnough winning the, uh, the Tom Finney Award at the EFL Awards. Um, the same that was the same that Omar Beckles was involved in with um, for his community work, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And I think Omar presented a prize as well. So well done, Omar. Well done, Omar. Well done, Joby. Now, um, any other business before we get on to the Crawley game? Um, we haven't mentioned the youngsters had a good win uh, in week midweek by four uh, three apparently over a Huddersfield B team as it was as it was styled. Uh, Reese Byrne and Sam Sargent got a half each in goal. Actually, we haven't talked about the goalkeeping position. What's going to happen there? Um, Reese Byrne appears to have become the number two. If you were Sam Sargent, you'd be a bit fed up by now, wouldn't you? I saw the team sheet come out for the youth game, and I thought. Poor Sergeant, he can't even get in goal for the youth. You know, so I think it's probably time that Sergeant tried to find himself a, a regular starting club. But um, just, you know, thanks for all you've done, Sam, if you do go. You need three, don't you? But um, you, don't, you don't really want to be the number three. That's the trouble with it. No, he's only playing sort of four or five real games a season, isn't he? Yeah. And, uh, and like you say, it must, it must be terrible sitting there every week. But... Um, He's got a, a National League winner's medal, hasn't he, Sam? And he was, you have to sit there, you have to travel. I mean, you know yourself, some of the ridiculous times these guys get home from uh, away games, you know. So they, they deserve the, the medal for doing what they do. So it's, it is a team game and they, they know that when they undertake it. But maybe he just had to put his hand up and get out there and maybe drop down the division. I mean... He's probably good enough to go and go for Wrexham next year or something like that. He may make a few quid like that. What's it striker do for us? Uh, he's a tall fella. Ollie Palmer. Ollie Palmer's yeah, so knocked he, in some goals. He, he was on that score sheet when I mentioned yeah. the Wrexham, uh, Wrexham Weymouth game. He's got some goals for them. Yes, so, uh, yeah, Sam Sargent got 45 minutes anyway. Uh, Jaden Sweeney scored twice, apparently, including the winning goal in the last minute. So there's another another youngster who um, we might be seeing a bit more of next season if he can just develop that, that little bit more. Some good youngsters still coming through, we believe. Now, let's talk about season cards. Uh, they're on sale again, as I'm sure you noticed. Um, they've all gone up a bit, I think, some more than more than a little bit. Um, a bit of discontent about one or two issues. Um, Karen, I, was, I thought as supporters liaison officer, you might have been involved in some of this, but the, the club don't involve the supporters in discussions and so on? No, not at all. I haven't heard anything other than when the announcement of the... Uh cards came out and um, what are the main bones of contention that, that people have been um, not un, not happy with I think the main bone of contention is that there's no under 11 ticket anymore um, used to be £49 for an under 11 if, and I think that was in any stand I'm not sure but um, yeah sadly the club have felt they, the need to withdraw that offer and the under 18 now is £99 so, and that covers everybody 
So it's effectively got up from 49 to 99 if you're if you're under 11. It has, but at the same time, it's still £4, I think it is a game, around about £4. So even if they turned up on the day, it would be £5 or maybe more. So it's uh, still a bargain. And there are some strange things that go on in the North Stand, I believe. Um, people basically not really respecting the idea of it, which is that you're, if you're an adult, you take a child with you and so on. Um, yeah, I, I do think that there are some people that quite possibly purchase an extra ticket for a little bit of space between them and the person next to them and they think £50 is worth it. But um, that's their lookout and if they get caught by the club, then the club will be moving them to another stand. So, Trevor, it's a difficult balance, isn't it? Because we know that the club lost uh, lost money. They would have lost an enormous amount if, if Kent Teague and, and Nigel Travis and, and their investment uh, company hadn't basically swallowed so much of that debt. Um, a difficult one. Um, I thought our West End prices had not gone up too badly. We, you expect them to do a bit each season, don't you? Yeah, I mean, the West End's the most expensive stand, isn't it? I mean, when my boy was younger, I, I paid a premium for him to sit next to me when he was 14, 15, whatever. With the under-11 ones, you can see why the club's done it, and uh, it, it's a case of use it or lose it. Now, we know the season cars don't get scanned all the time, but we also know that some parents only take their um, children at the weekend because of late nights on Tuesdays. One idea, somebody said, well, we've got a Saturday under-11 season ticket. The logistics of that are probably too difficult. But Dave Staples said to me on Saturday that the two biggest crowds, apart from the Northampton game, were the £5 games against uh, Hartlepool yes. and Barrow. So, and they are, we quote, sellouts. We're still 2000 short. Well, whether you can get another £2,005 through the door is could equate to quite a bit of money but I don't buy into the argument that you're stopping youngsters coming to football what the Orient need to do with their new Ticketmaster website is be able to if you've got an adult season ticket attach the nearest seat or move in the family stand whatever so you can bring your child on the Saturday now if it's only four or five pound that's that's it's a win-win for everybody so you're getting a lot of floating supporters only come to the Orient for a fiver. To get them to buy season tickets is going to be difficult. And the only way to buy a season ticket is what you serve up on the pitch. That's the old adage, isn't it? And you can't go back to the Barry Earn days of you can buy a season ticket for whatever it was, and I'm still a fan today, because, yet again, you've had people lose the first four games and are not interested. We know it's a big balance to work out, but the £5 ticket offers is great. But you end up seeing a lot of stag parties come. They say they're not interested in supporting Orient. Most of them, on them five pound days, are down in the bar till 20 minutes, 30 minutes into the second half. How you get new supporters is difficult, isn't it? So, but the price is... I did expect a price right this year, but it's, it's probably in line with most other things. But people will now choose if this cost of living crisis carries on, isn't it? What they're going to choose their social things, isn't it? And Rich, uh, up in the um, the Legends Lounge, you're going to get a pint of pint, aren't you? Apparently, now I believe it's most games. I mean, it's, it's gone up by a fair bit, um, but you know, again, it's it's a difficult one. I think we're, we're probably living on the bounce of Richie Wellens a bit here with the prices, it seems. But you know, I think a lot of us expect something the way things are and to go well next season. So, so we'll see. 
Let's hope so. Let's hope for a good result at Crawley, where I'm sure we'll have some good support. We're out of time again. Thanks to Trevor, to Karen, to Rich and Andy. Next week, we're hoping for a very special guest. So do keep in touch and join us again. And until then, up the O's. We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around. And you know where we can be found when Saturday comes again. We'll be trying to do our best to cheer all those on who wear the best. Whatever challenge, whatever test, we're late and Orient from the week's end. Late and Orient from the week's end.